0: so up to this point i've interviewed women who have had lots of information about how they've navigated the business world but today's conversation it's a little different i failed to mention that i teach dance and those girls that's why i'm really doing this in the first place they're preparing to go out there and enter the workforce and i want to provide them with as much information as i can so that they're ready today one of my used to be students ashley reached out She's at university and she's taking her first business class. She had an assignment to do an interview with someone who was in the corporate world and get some perspective on what it was like. I thought this will be a great opportunity to do this as a podcast, find out what the younger generation is after, the questions they want to know, what their fears may be. So let's hear things from a different point of view. I'm Megan and this is Here's Your Seat. All right, Ashley, thanks for being here on Here's Your Seat. Tell me what university you're at and why you have these questions as far as the business world is concerned in the first place. Yeah, so I'm an
1: accounting major with a concentration in government nonprofit at NC State University, and I am in a business class, my first business class, and we're trying to get introduced into the corporate business world. And so I'm interested in seeing how I can grow from talking to someone in the business world and seeing what kind of advice they would give me as I am going to graduate college in two more years. And I just want to see what you would need to know as you go into it and what I could be prepared for.
0: And so everybody gets it. I'm being honest here. So I'm giving you the best answers that I can at the stage of where I am at in my career. <laughs> I advise you to seek other opinions after you get mine, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. right. We'll jump into it. Where do you want to start? So I first want to see
1: what kind of business you work at. What's the business model? What are you guys working towards?
0: So I am in um, an impact, sustainable impact business. So the business model is set up um corporately, so there would be a product, you know, we would sell in this situation beer as the product, so a brewery. And then it is also paired with a social mission. And what's unique about the this business model is there's equal there's equal amount of influence or focus in both the, you know, the product development and sales as there is in the social mission of what we do, which is working with active gang members to just, you know, to decrease gun violence, which is kind of crazy within itself. But that's why I like it because, you know, social mission and business together, I think is how we solve a lot of um, issues that we're facing currently. Yeah. So would you think, would you say that a lot of businesses have both a product and a service side? So, two parts to that. Like, of course, there's going to be a product and a service. Because, right, customer service, no matter what your product is, even if it's not um, a social issue, you know what I mean, as far as your service is concerned... There always is going to be a service side because customer service and marketing, which is where my focus is, um, exist because the service side of your industry, whatever it may be, is critical and important. But I do think that with my generation and then I think especially with your generation as as you guys come into it, um, our focus in the workforce is to be employed by someone who of course wants to make money and make their business successful right like that's how business works but at the same time be able to have a positive impact on their community make a difference on uh, in the world with what you do and so i think millennials are starting the trend with we don't care if we uh, make a ton of money of course it's important you've got to survive Um, but we will work for less to do something that's more important So I do think businesses are taking a turn because one, employers realize we've got to do something that is, that gives back in some sort of way or has some sort of positive impact if we want millennials to come and work for us. And millennials are saying, well, that's what the expectation is now. That's kind of the new standard. So if you're going to open a business and um, you're going to sell something or do something like what, what? what is the benefit to the community where your business may be located or what's the benefit overall, um, you know, when it comes to some sort of issue, social issue?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that for me personally, I'm more interested in working for a company that has that meaningful aspect, giving back to society and back to the community. Um, and would you say that you're company worries more about the product that it's producing or the service that it's providing like does it care more about gang members being put back into the workforce
0: or the beer so what's really cool about my company and I think it is again it's in the it, we're in the beginning stages of of what the company is right because it's still in that startup stage but it has to be an equal amount of focus on both of those things. Like you have to make a quality product to get people to come back and purchase that product over and over again. But in this situation, when we've got a social mission side, we are utilizing that social mission and what the goal of that social mission is to sell the product. So if we're not following through on the expectation for the social mission decreasing violence providing opportunities to active gang members turning street skills into corporate business skills those types of things then the product won't sell because there's tons of other breweries that are out there there's tons of beers like no one needs another brewery no one needs another craft brew, right? There's, there's so many, that's a really overcrowded market, but what makes this unique is that it's the idea that, um, the beer is, is the sustainable part of what we do. It's what, it's what fuels and, and financially covers what we're trying to do on our social mission side. So in our situation, it goes 50, 50, both the product has to be, it's the, you know, the quality of that product has is, is got to be consistent and it's important so that people return to buy it. But without us following through on that social mission, we lack the backup or the proof that, that we can do what we say we're going to do to sell, to sell the beer in the first place. I'll say this, I think for companies that, and I've worked for other companies in the past that have, the, let's say they're Their company, well, I'm going to just use what I know, like the company is construction, right? But they also Mm -hmm. are heavily involved in their community. They do tons of fundraisers. They give back financially in all sorts of ways, and they have their own nonprofit, right? In that situation, their product or service, construction, is is critical. And that one actually may play a little bit bigger of a role because that is able to to support them in a way that they have the opportunity to give back to the community. So there are tons of companies that give back in, in those situations, their product or service has to be the number one priority because without that um, they are not able to give back. But in our situation where we're using the social mission to sell the product, then it has to be 50 50. Yeah. um,
1: So would you say that, you measure success as a company based on just the profits or would you say that your whole social mission would just be taken away if like gang members were not working out as they should be or like they weren't being acclimated back into society as you had hoped um, and your whole mission was kind of dwindling. Would the profit be enough?
0: For your company to keep running, so it has to be like I said. We're still in startup mode, but the the way to measure success, right? Like right now, we're in the beer making process. So you've got to have financial backers to get you to a place where you're producing beer and distributing it in a way that people have access to it. You hope to be uh, find distribution in a way that it expands very quickly, and not just in your state, but across you know all states. So that's one way to measure success in sales, right? But up until that point, right, where we're still because we're we're in the startup stages and we're still employing active gang members, um, and and the idea of how to measure success when it comes to social mission is really difficult, right? Because if if hiring active gang members was easy, then there would be lots of companies that would say, "Hey, no problem." What you know, what I'm, it, it would be, it would already have been done. But because we're right. doing something, and there's so very few things that have not been done yet. This is one, uh, I think that I know of anyway. Um, it's hard to define success because what we're talking about are human lives, right? And how do you measure success when it comes to people? Okay. So there, we, there are many ways we've, we've broken it down. And one of the ways that we find, uh, That's kind of maybe the easiest and also not the easiest to measure is when we look at each individual and how they are achieving success in their own lives. So things like personal finances, like from where they started when they joined the company to where they are now. And that means like credit. Have you purchased a home? Are you paying a mortgage? Do you own a car? Do you have car loans? Those kinds of things, like being able to measure prosperity, from where you were when you first came into the company and then like track those things as you grow and you learn more and you develop in a way that they are comfortable with because this is their personal information, but also in a way that proves that the social mission is working and that is how you would define success. Because if you, if we talk about measuring when we say that if the mission is decreasing violence and you talk about measuring that, <laughs> um, then it gets really difficult because, what types of violence are you measuring, right? Like when we talk about gun violence, well, are we talking about gang-only violence? Are we talking about um, incidents that where there maybe wasn't a weapon involved and there was a knife involved? Are we talking about domestic disturbances that that occur within these communities? And are, were they gang or not gang? And how are we able to tell? And how do you know for sure, right? Like what will happen is you will see as opportunity is presented a decrease in violence because there are opportunities that exist that weren't there before. So that, that kind of measurement will take time as, as yeah. and those opportunities become available. And I
1: think that the part where you talked about how you look at the um, employees' personal Lives to see if they're being prosper prosperous, I would say that that's really cool compared to a lot of companies because I feel that it's safe to say that a lot of corporations and big businesses don't really look into employees like personal lives and how they're doing outside of work right and they kind of just show up to work and they do what the job is and then they go home and it doesn't matter what they're doing outside of the
0: job right and in this in this situation, it's critical to know um what's happening outside of the job because violence just does not, doesn't occur just between nine and five, right? Like for our guys, yeah. it's, it is 24 seven and they're straddling this line of, um, street life and corporate life and figuring out how to juggle those completely different worlds can be really difficult. And so you have to keep close connections with your team members and, um, and support them in whatever way possible to make sure that they feel safe and successful and that they're getting what they need to grow. Of course, that makes sense. Um,
1: I think I would like to look and ask you about your personal um, career path and how you've become the job and, like, come up to the role that you've taken into. And I would like to know what you would say prepared you most for your current
0: job that you have right now. So unique, I think, in for me, I worked in nonprofit for eight years, right? So I was already working with young boys who lived in a lot of the communities that the guys that I work with now live in, so I had already seen and witnessed disparities that I thought were a problem and a major issue, and I felt that in the nonprofit world. I was doing the best that I could with what I had, and nonprofits are hard because you are reliant on people writing checks and, and fundraising and grants yeah. and things like that. And you know, it wasn't a fix to the problem as much as it was a little bit of a band aid. You know what I mean? And, and you just, I was not unable to help large numbers. The the kids that I was able to reach and um, connect with they were small, but they, you know, but the amount of impact was large. So it was a small group, but, but big impact. What was a way I could get involved that would impact more people long-term and not necessarily provide a handout as much as an opportunity. Like this is not us coming in and saying here, like, let me give you this. I'm sorry. Let me try and make things better. Right. The concept of business and social mission is that like, we're going to fix, Uh, the situation to a point where nonprofits really shouldn't even have to exist, right? Because if we're providing Mm -hmm. opportunities for this group of individuals, then they wouldn't need the handouts necessarily that I was trying to do to to provide with my first job. So I wanted to get into like a different, one, I wanted to grow, right? So I was looking for ways to grow um, both as a leader and um, in business and all of those things. And I think that consistent growth requires consistent change, you know, for you to have new experiences. So this was an incredible opportunity to both take what I had learned and seen and witnessed kind of for myself in nonprofit and um and grow into a more corporate role in a way that the mission side of myself or that that part of my passion was still able to be utilized but you know I came into contact like where I always ask in your situation well how did you find that job then right like I hear about all these women who go from one job and then you get this next opportunity it's like well where did that opportunity happen and my advice there is like it's all about the relationships that you make so when you're in one job let's say you're in your starter job right when you graduate college you build those relationships you build them strong you get in and build relationships with the people who have leadership roles within that corporation or business. You see what you <clears throat> admire about the way that they lead and you pick up those things and use them for yourself, that, you know, and use them as, and develop them into your leadership styles. And then through those relationships, you meet other people who don't work for that same company. You start having conversations, you know, so I was with a nonprofit, but I also was handling their community outreach for that company. And so, the company that I used to work for looked into hiring some of the guys that worked for the company, um, that I work for now. So that's how I initially met them. And, and as I got to know them, I thought, you know, I can be an asset here at this company. So it's not that they were necessarily looking to fill a position, but I felt like I could be an asset to their company. So I contacted the founder and was like, you need to hire me. This is what I can do. This is what I want to do. Um, you want me in there, put me, you know, hire me is basically what I said so I took a risk but it paid off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I could graduating college I think that I will have to learn a lot about being bold in business and talking to people mm-hmm. that are more have more authority than me and being like I could be useful to you because it's easy to think that just because I don't have that much experience that I don't know anything and wouldn't be able to help out um so I think that failure is a big thing that, as prideful humans, we're scared of. Yeah. We don't know how to deal with it, and we don't like it. Um, but it seems like you have grown a lot, maybe from mistakes that you've made or things that just haven't worked out or looked successful to you. And I just want to know, how did you or have you learned from previous failures and made them a point of growth?
0: So that's a really deep question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people say you have to fail to succeed, right? Like that's, a, that's yeah. a thing, like failing your way to success. But I think when you look back at things that you might have initially considered a failure, they're not. So the idea of failing to succeed doesn't really make sense to me. Like it's just it, having different experiences you know, even though they mm-hmm. seem scary or they might feel like failure at the time, when you look back on them years later, that you think, well, geez, like that was not a, a necessarily a failure at all. That just was not where I was meant to be. And although it was scary at the time, it led to more opportunities. And that was how I grew and became strong. And when you think about the confidence or the boldness that you're talking about as you enter into the workforce, I think one is women. We particularly are... Well, I think I can do that. If you think I can, like this whole asking permission yeah. to succeed thing is something that for we're, we do more often than not. And we definitely do it more often than men. So the idea that you need to come out of the gate, you know, we don't want any like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Entitlement, right? Like there's a difference between entitlement, which is like, I deserve this job because I went to college and that's okay. And no one wants that. It's mm-hmm. not attractive, right? But there yeah. is there is another type of approach, which is I'm confident in what I know and my experiences up to this point, right? Like I have experiences, maybe not necessarily in this job field or this particular industry, but... The things that I have, for instance, like you're a dancer, right, like a performer, like taking the confidence that you learned through that and then applying that to your everyday job, whatever that is, right, whatever industry you work in, if you're an accountant or you get a starting position at some other company use the things that you've learned up to this point apply them to that because you're already strong in those areas so you so tap into the strengths that you already have and really promote those and if you're willing to work hard and and I was like still am willing to work as hard mm-hmm. as I can to achieve what I want then you you will be fine because you can learn anything right like we never stop growing so yeah. whatever the 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 challenge is you you can adapt and you can dig deep and use things and past experiences from whatever point in your life to get through those. So I I would can there's not a failure specifically that I can think of, but I know when I transitioned from my old job to this one, I was terrified because I thought I was gonna retire at the first company I started for, you know, like right after I graduated yeah. college because that's what I had seen my grandparents do, my parents do. Um so I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And so it was really scary for me. And now um, I, I, When I look back at it, that just seems silly, you know, to have been fearful yeah. like that. But at the time, you're overwhelmed, just always trying For to sure. forward.
1: Yeah. And would you say, what kind of situations do you think women could encounter when they're working in male-dominated companies? Because we all know that a lot of corporations and businesses are a lot of males with some women. Um, and how has that affected you personally?
0: So I've worked in a lot of male-dominated industries, well, stereotypically male-dominated industries. And I would yeah. say this. I think that there are strengths and leadership styles that you learn from men in business that you should, very, at a very early age, Find the leadership styles that they are using, that they they kind of just innately have a sense of confidence, right, Mm -hmm. that we lack and sometimes and for some of us. But um, take those things immediately, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they present in meetings, the way that they... Speak to and the the pieces of that that you feel like you can utilize, like utilize those things, right? Um, I think that my advice would be to speak up whenever you are knowledgeable about the topic of discussion. If it's either in a boardroom or it's just a one on one, um, meeting with you and and a coworker or a boss or whoever it is, I think that my other piece of advice would be to. Um, remember that there are males and females in leadership roles, even in male-dominated industries. And so, as women, we should want to support each other. And sometimes that's not always the case. So, just like always know that your personal growth and development is what is priority to you. And so you can't count on someone else to do it for you. Like you have to grow in these areas. So it's on your shoulders to figure it out. Take the things that you see um, and you like and use them for yourself and be more confident, challenge yourself to step up to the plate. And if you don't feel like you know enough about a topic to speak on it, then go and do the homework that you need to do to educate yourself to speak out loud on the topic and don't let people interrupt you. You know, me, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, interruption happens a lot and a lot of women um, allow themselves to be interrupted. So I think one of the biggest things that I've learned and I've really tried to establish as I grow and I'm kind of, I guess, in the middle of my career, maybe, I guess, maybe even younger than that. But um, I tried to not let people interrupt me. And I'm a, what yeah. I would call like a nice person. So it's hard, you know, and you are the same. So it's like, oh, okay. Well that person's like, no, you need to like knock that stuff to the side. Cause in business it's business, right? Like this is not, I'm going to hurt your feelings or I let, or I got my feelings hurt. It's like, no, I know what I'm talking about. You're going to listen to me when it comes to this specific topic, topic matter, male or female, it doesn't matter or, or boss or coworker. Like I have something to say about this because I'm confident in this sector.
1: Yeah. Lastly, I think just one piece of advice that you think is the most important thing that I should know as I graduate college and enter into the business world.
0: So this has to do, okay. So someone asked me today and this had to do with the company that I'm at now, right? Because there's a lot of different um, cultures all in one office and people who grow up from different Mm -hmm. backgrounds and things like that. I think, what's going to be really nice about the next 15 years, 20 years, right? Like we're going to really see a rise in diversity in the workplace. So my advice to him and I think my advice to you is to listen. I think that we kind of get in a place of trying to prove ourselves. This is both male and female, right? And we, even though we may be knowledgeable in whatever areas that we come in, it's really important to listen to the people around you, like your coworkers who work at the same level as you do, of course, listening to your bosses, uh, you know, because they're, they're running the business, you'll learn a lot from them, but just being open to hearing what other people have to say and then really taking those in, taking them home and digesting what they are. If it's, if it's just like break room conversation and you're learning about other cultures and other people and other, you know, just human beings, period. Learn more, right, and the only way that you're gonna learn more about those things are listening to other people and um and gaining more knowledge in that way. The other thing I would say is just you know i I talk about confidence a lot, but it's it's a a weak spot probably for me, which is why I talk about it so much, but I just that whole idea, and i I've, I've said this to you before, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it lead and carry yourself with confidence and you will become confident right in the way that you carry yourself and that you lead other people and that you manage other people if you end up in a situation like that but yeah that's what I would say just just listening to other people and and never stop educating yourself on whatever it is you're doing in the in the work for whatever your field is never stop reading, never stop listening to podcasts, never stop growing, never stop seeking opportunities to grow and have new experiences.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, thank you so much for your time and for letting me know some things that I could use and that will be very useful for my growth after I graduate. And I'm very excited to see um, what happens with my career path and how I get to use these things and learn confidence in being Old and not letting people
0: interrupt me. So now, wait. Uh, I want to know from you, though. Here, now I'm turning the tables. I'm asking <laughs> you now, like if mm-hmm. you, if you are a uh, finance, you know, major, an account major, like accounting yes. major. Like, what, what are your plans with that? Like, because if you have an interest in nonprofit um, and social impact, what, what would you like to do?
1: Yeah. So. I entered into college wanting to major in political science, but then I realized that I wasn't really into the whole um, creativity and, like, English aspect of it, and I really liked numbers and logistics, and so I just started taking accounting classes, and I really am interested in either going into the government field of accounting for, like, a government agency in D.C., or working for a nonprofit that helps with, like, social justice or environmental or just any company that has something that I'm passionate about as their, like, foundation. Mm -hmm. And I can just do the accounting for them or do, like, auditing. I haven't really decided exactly what specific role I want to do. I just know that I really like accounting and what I've learned so far. And I really like having passions and working all of my values into a job that I could hopefully find. And I think that a long time, most of my life, I've thought that when you graduate, you just kind of find, like, that perfect job and you end up just working there, like you said, for, like, the rest of your life. But I don't want that to not – like, I don't want to be disappointed – in myself if that doesn't happen because it's not likely I mean it could happen but I don't want to expect that because if I like graduate college and just need to find like something to gain experience because obviously the types of things that I want to do I'm going to need some type of experience before someone will hire me for like a government agency you know Mm -hmm. so I think that I'm going to need to be okay with just doing it for a different type of company that maybe I'm not as passionate about first, right? But I, that's my dream. So like,
0: yeah. but the thing is, and this is what I said too. You one, you can use that degree and that knowledge that you're gaining right now. Like in ton, all, all of the, all of the industries, all of the fields, all of the sectors need what you're doing, right? So that's first of all, you could take it anywhere, and because. Everyone needs the fine. I mean, that you see, finance, like the financial side is that's a part of the corporate structure for profit, non profit. I mean, it has to be because it's critical, yeah. right? Like, there has to be someone who's who's keeping up with the comings and goings of the finances, right? To supplement their social missions or to try and make profit on their product, whatever they're doing. But I think that you're right, right? Like the likelihood that you find your passion project as soon as you graduate college is, is probably not likely, but getting the experience that you need right out of the gate, whatever that looks like could be in any industry. And I would say, make sure that just because you find a great job, right when you get out of college that you don't say, okay, well, this is it, right? Like, like I said, just always keep your options open and build those relationships so that you can have the opportunity to move from one sector to another or potentially start your own business. I mean, with, with that type of background, you can really do whatever you want. And so don't um, put on blinders and look in one direction. Look three hundred and sixty, twenty four seven. Always keep your eyes open for something that interests you, and then how you can make it work to really find a really good work life balance. You're I, there's a lot of people that say, oh, like I live, um, you know, I work to live. I work to live, right? So I just go to work nine to five, and then I come home so I can so I can basically support whatever my passions are but I the, like you I really like to I live to work which is probably not yeah. that healthy but it's because I'm so passionate about what we're doing that my work life provides me what I need to be happy in my personal life so I love my job it does it, it I don't consider it nine to five because I don't have to and I don't want to and I'm okay with that yeah and so that's I think the that's dream one of my goal, yeah, that's the dream, right? Find a job where mm-hmm. you love it enough that um you don't think of it as a nine to five and it kind of becomes a part of who you are. I mean, I think that's everyone's goal, yeah, but it I mean, and I think with the industry mindset shifting to um social impact and business becoming one, being able to solve social issues through business and opportunity mm-hmm. and Things like that, you know, that that will be more than possible for your age group as you guys enter the workforce. And you guys will probably demand it even more than we demanded it. It yeah. will become the norm by the time you start your, get into your career, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, honey. And anytime you need to, or you have any questions, you know, you can call me, but otherwise, um, we need to do this again so that we can catch up because people are going to want to know where you are in your process. Now this is going to be like one of those like for part twos because (laughs) we all want to know what's happening, you know, in a year from now or whatever. Mm -hmm. Call me up. we'll We'll chat again in a year well I'll chat again with you probably over the weekend but we'll here's your seat we'll catch up with you in a year (laughs) (laughs) can't wait All right, take care hun thank you thanks for listening and if you haven't already head over to Instagram and follow here's your seat make sure to DM me with any questions that you may have or if you know someone who I should chat with let me know Join me next time on Here's Your See.